Hey listeners, this message is going to be at the front of the next few episodes of Nothing to Fear, just to let everybody know that the information on how to reach me, my old Instagram account, is now out of date. There was a hacking incident, and I lost control of my account. So if you would like to follow me at my new personal account, you can do so at DesignBilly, all one word. Thanks. Oh, and block and report the old account. Block and report Billy by Design. It has been hacked. Do not interact with it beyond blocking and reporting. Okay, enjoy the episode. And it's working now. And I'm finally finished eating the chocolate I put into my mouth one second before recording. So this is to Danae, who recently said I'm a professional podcaster. Joke's on you. Mm. Well, I think that's literally true, aren't you? It is literally true, yes. (laughs) I like to say that. Is that true? Only literally. Only literally. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Nothing to Fear, a weekly horror movie podcast hosted by three professional podcasters. It's us. My name is Billy Schultz, and I'm recording from the hallowed halls of Quebec. Is there hallowed halls in Quebec? Probably. I'm not in any hallway. I'm in an apartment building. And I'm joined by my co-hosts, Alex and Luke. And every week we watch a different horror movie, and we talk about that horror movie. So, Alex, how are you doing this morning? Good morning. Good. I'm looking forward to today and tomorrow when it's supposed to warm up by like 40 degrees almost maybe 30 and that's like literally speaking 30 degrees so and not like bullshit fahrenheit degrees like centigrade (laughs) yeah i don't know what fahrenheit means (laughs) i'm good it's cold this morning but it'll warm up i think so gotta gotta love those chinooks and we're also joined i said his name earlier we're joined by luke Mm. hello luke how are you doing Good morning. Hello. I'm good. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Record snowfalls in Nelson. So on Friday, on a town not known for its flat streets, on one of the flatter <laughs> streets, a bus got stuck and held up traffic. So that was fun. Yay. <laughs> a loader had to come in and pull it out. It's it's It was so funny, like, just a, like seeing how they pull huge vehicles instead of, like, towing them. <laughs> Right, like right. obviously, there's huge tow trucks for like semi cabs and stuff like that. But it's just like they hook up this chain to this loader, which is essentially like a tractor, yeah. But like a really huge one with huge wheels and chains on it. It's just pulling it around. It was so funny. <laughs> engineering, civil engineering, yeah. gotta love it. Yeah. So normally we know what movie we're watching going into this, but for the month of February, when we're picking our movies, we're giving a little gift to the other two hosts, a little Valentine's gift. And Luke, you're giving us a gift this week. Yes. A surprise movie. So would you please tell us what we're watching? Oh, drum roll. So I had a few in mind all around the same variable. But I okay. settled on one after a couple YouTube videos. So today we're going to watch 2016's Lights Out, oh, okay. which is a supernatural horror film. But what is the reason? Why is this a movie yes, I think why? the two of you will like? Well, unsurprisingly, maybe it's banal, but important. It has a runtime of 81 minutes. And nice. so I thought <laughs> I knew the two of you would like that. Yes, that's the best gift you could give us. (laughs) 
It's gotten like decent reviews. Mm-hmm. It's a modern horror film. And I know a little bit of what the plot's about, so I won't talk about it too much right now. But I think it will be an enjoyable, tight little film. I, I'm hoping so. So nice. Yeah. And now it's not that it, we'll have to rent it on Amazon, but it is okay. on Amazon for rent for like that five dollar thing. So that's not bad. That's ooh, that's exciting. I've seen that listed as like horror movies that you should watch and like good horror movies but i honestly don't know the first thing about it i haven't looked Mm -hmm. at any of the the plot or i didn't know it going in so that's very exciting 81 minutes Ooh, baby (laughs) we love i remember (laughs) what was that what was that bonus episode you did i can't remember who you did it with but you were talking about how you love that tight 90 minute film yeah yeah yeah. so (laughs) just and get in get out we don't need it we don't need to beat around the bush (laughs) yeah and the last couple episodes at least in invisible man and there's one other one in the recent past we did where Mm -hmm. all three of us were like this movie's too long (laughs) why was it this long so (laughs) i was looking specifically for in that you know 80 to 100 minute window and this one 81 perfect oof that's that's beautiful (laughs) that's beautiful i'm excited about it (laughs) alex do you know anything about lights out uh, no, I haven't heard of it before, but I'm looking Ooh, okay. forward to 81 minutes of runtime. That's like that's the best selling point of any movie, honestly. <laughs> it's so it's so funny how those movies. I don't I don't know if I'm going to the theaters. I don't mind if a movie is like two hours long because it feels like an experience. But I don't know. I just like I, watching a movie on a streamer that's two hours long. I'm like, oh boy. But yesterday I watched three episodes of. The Haunting of Bly Manor, each of those being <laughs> 40 to 50 minutes long. Yeah. And I was like, pleased as punch. So, yeah, but it's like, I, you know, I'm sure it's hypocritical. One, you know? hmm. Yeah, it's true. Well, and you can chop it up easier if you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. True. Like you can, you, you have more easy to get to breaks or checkpoints or end mm-hmm. points or whatever. Right. So, yeah. so yeah, as far as I know, this is like one of those modern independent horror films hmm. that has gotten decent reviews not like over the top but certainly not negative and i just feel like it's it, it could be a fun one for us to do at this stage so all right and it being valentine's i wanted to show my love to the two of you by <laughs> not wasting your time any more than i generally do minimizing ah. your time wasting is my goal for today well, happy Valentine's Day. And that's right. This is, if you're listening to this on the day of release, it is Valentine's Day. Unless we rejigged the release order because of lockdowns and movie screenings. Anyway, happy whenever you listen to this. <laughs> so I think in light of history with <laughs> so these... Speak. Uh-huh. Oh, that's, that was... That was one of those examples of a not on purpose pun, but uh, I'm going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What was I going to say? Not knowing what this movie is going to be about, I'm just going to engage in a little bit of wild speculation. And mm. I predict that in this movie, there will be some sort of power outage scenario. <laughs> that's that's all I'm going on the title. Yeah. So anyone else care to offer a wildly subjective and off the mark guess? Not you, Luke. You watch trailers about it, so I feel like you're disqualified. <laughs> I think this movie will try to scare us, and whether or not it succeeds will will depend on if it was done well or not. <laughs> truly, truly obvious wow. predictions. Yeah, Josh, when did we get Ebert? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with those hot takes warming our laps up as we watch the movie, we're gonna go and watch it on Amazon Prime. Luke said it's available to rent. I don't know in your country, dear listener, where it's available, but look around. 
we're going to listen to the trailer next and as always check out does the dog die.com for any triggering moments we will talk about spoilers of this movie so this is your spoiler warning going forward and we'll be back in a couple minutes I turn off the lights. There's this woman waiting in the shadows. I see her too. Each one of us is being haunted thing. Mom? Hey, Martin, what's up? Did we wake you? What? A long time ago, I had a friend named Diana. And something really bad happened to her. Everyone is afraid of the dark. That's what she feeds on. Show yourself. Holy crap. This movie is scary. This is a scary movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Take it away, Alex. Lights Out is a 2016 American supernatural horror film directed by David F. Sandberg in his directorial debut. Produced by Lawrence Gray, James Wan, and Herrick Heinz. Written by that guy. It stars <laughs> Teresa Palmer, Gabriel Bateman, Billy Burke, and Maria Bello. It is based on Sandberg's 2013 short film of the same name and features Lotsa Lotsen, who starred in the short. In the film, a young woman must confront her childhood fears to protect her brother from a vengeful supernatural entity holding a mysterious attachment to their mother. <laughs> wow. I was not prepared for how scary this movie was, and I can't wait to talk about it with you, but <laughs> I want you to kick it off, Luke. You want you to light this candle. You started it off. You picked it. Yeah. So what you got? You know, Maria Bello, <laughs> I was like, I know that actress. I know that actress, the mom, but yeah. I thought, I kept thinking it was Julie Bowen, who was in Lost and mm. uh, a couple other things you'd remember that I don't remember off the top of my head, but no, Maria Bello, now I totally see it. That was cool. What was she from? Why I know the name, but I can't place her. She's been in lots of movies. She's Viggo Mortensen's wife, I believe, in History of Violence. And oh, okay. she was in a movie called The Cooler with William H. Macy, I believe. And a few other like you know, she's like one of those character actresses that pops up all the time. They're like, Do we need a mom? We got Maria yeah. Bello. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Sure. What about so... Bonnie Hunt? <laughs> we can't get Bonnie Hunt, we'll get Maria Bello. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we can marry Bella. <laughs> Man, this movie was good. It was tight. It was scary. It wasn't perfect. There were some issues, I think, with the acting, but the tension was palpable. And yeah, I feel like there's a lot of fun things to talk about because it also, like, maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally incorporated some Jungian shadow philosophy <laughs> into all of this. <laughs> so, like, that's weird, too. Shadow self. Yeah. Yeah. But. 
yeah, very generally positive. And this is one of the scariest movies we've done in a while, I think, which is fun. <laughs> it's it's not as often anymore that I'm like actually feeling tense on my couch for what's going on. I thought the scares were done. I, I thought they utilized the premise of this movie to perfection with like all mm-hmm. of the ways Diana appears and disappears and none of them felt particularly forced. So I thought right. that was really cool. What about the time all the lights went off in the house? Was that forced? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> maybe she can cut the power line. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. If mm-hmm. if I was her, that's what I would try to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I, I I'll put and and maybe I'll lay this out as like one of the better things. Going all the way back to our very first episode of Poltergeist, we talked about what the horror genre often can do well even if the movie's not too good what it often does do well is have a really good setting and environment and props sure and i loved the way that lights were used in this movie how yeah there are places that have motion sensor lights that makes sense so it adds tension like it's 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 in flush with like what lights actually can be like in real life right yeah motion sensor lights are a great mechanism for the plot of this movie and they really exist so it's not like a wow wow how did that happen kind of thing or you know candles flashlights headlights of the car like that scene was so cool because it's not gratuitous right it's like Mm -hmm. a it's like a very fluid way out of the situation and so this movie was so good at the props of lights and how they saved them at different times. Yeah, the black light would be a little bit different than the rest of the light, so maybe you can see her. I, I just think that all that stuff yeah. was written really well. So that's what I would say. Yeah. The, the props of this movie were, like, props to this movie for the props of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, I am unbelievably positive on this movie. I am willing to say, I'll say this at the top, I think this movie might have been scarier than Hereditary because oh, wow. that for for so long Hereditary was like top of the top scariest movie and it's really the scariest in the last sort of 30-ish minutes of Hereditary. There's like jump scares, but the last bit of Hereditary is where it really ramps up and this movie was scary from minute 1 until minute 81 and it didn't give me a chance to catch my breath i thought the setting was cool the conceit of the monster was cool there are some problems with it i have some questions about the power set that diana the shadow monster in this movie has (laughs) but also when i saw james wan's name come up as a producer all i thought was like him on set in 2016 if he visited just taking notes for malignant just Mm, oh yeah for sure the house looked like the house, right? The red light. <laughs> the red light. He's, he's just sitting there being like, okay, so they're in a hospital when they're children. Okay, I'm just going to take notes, write that down. This She's like from her childhood that she suppressed and now is back. Okay, I'm going to write that down. It was just very reminiscent of Malignant and of other scary movies we've done. But yeah, I was... I I still call back to I think it was as above so below when I talked mm. a huge game about not being scared of horror movies anymore and then that movie <laughs> scared me in one of the biggest jump scares and this movie just like frightened me the whole way through and at the end of it I was I was I'm just amped I'm still <laughs> vibrating we watched it I guess it finishes about 15 minutes ago and I just I can't wait to get into it and talk about yeah. it I've got like a giant grin on my face and <laughs> 
if ever a movie proves the the point that we made in i think insidious daytime is safety holy crap <laughs> daytime is <Yeah>. safety <laughs> nighttime is <Yeah>. danger <laughs> nighttime is danger but yeah let's i can't wait to dive in and talk to you about it with with both of y'all but alex what did you think about lights out like lights on yeah I, I really like this movie i think you know it's it's got your very traditional horror movie themes of mental health and depression and all that stuff but it, it wasn't like of course i was kind of guessing parts throughout the movie about what was going to happen and you know surprisingly i was wrong some of the time so i think mm-hmm. it was able to do a kind of probably a very recycled horror movie theme in a kind of unique individual way if i had to compare this to a movie i'd probably compare it to like babadook and i think this was yes, a better yeah. this was a better movie than babadook um, a better duck you might say <laughs> a better what sorry a better duck as opposed to a ba- i was like a pun on babadook uh, better good baduk i don't know anyway sorry continue <laughs> the screenplay would have been a better book right <laughs> there we go thank you <laughs> we call that workshopping better uh yeah. new fashion would have been a better look and Alex, think, please continue. <laughs> I think one of my favorite things about this movie is how it might not have been realistic, but I just liked how all the characters were so supportive of each other and were there for each other. And even though there was conflicts between the characters, they, they were able to fix it and get some progress in. And I just like that. It was like a nice feel good movie because a lot of the time you have like, <laughs> I can't believe you don't believe me. And this movie was straight up just like, hey, I'm going to tell you something no one else has ever told you. I believe you. I believe I'm you. like, yeah. that's awesome. We got over that hump of the, your, the horror movie cliche where, you know, you're trying to convince someone that you're not crazy and that there's actually hauntings and whatnot. They just skipped over all that bullshit was like, you know what? I believe you. Let's figure <laughs> out what to do next. That probably is what made the movie 81 minutes long. And it, it was like, it was a really good 81 minutes. There was never a, mm. like there might have been a couple slow parts in the movie, but they were all they not, they didn't feel unnecessary or wasted or just like there wasn't a scene that was put in there just because, oh, we need to have a scene where someone doesn't believe the protagonist that there's being haunted or whatever. So like everybody in this movie was like that, except maybe the two cops at the end. But like they were <laughs> not important. They were uh, there to be a body. Cap, yeah, you, like... you need you need a uh, dumb cops in every horror movie is 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 what yeah. they were there for. But it's a trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, I and why are I liked... they gonna believe that right? there's this shadow monster there? Like, well, the one cop died, so I sh- I'm sure he believes in the in the thing die, as yes. he was dying. Yeah, Yeah, this was it was just so refreshing to see the fact that for one, everyone really believed that there was this Diana, this sort of shadow monster, which we we might talk about in the Jungian sense later on, Luke. But I also thought that it was interesting that when the mom was telling us about how oh she was always just referred to diana like she was factual and concrete the entire time it was never Mm -hmm. like i think something's going on i feel like i'm not alone she's just straight up yep it's me and diana talking in this room we're gonna watch a movie all three of us like it was all she was always part of the conversation and as a metaphor for depression also oh this is a great chance to put in the spoiler warning the movie kind of resolves by the mom character taking her own life to get rid of the demon the depression so there's a (laughs) climactic resolution that involves suicide in this one so that's a bit tough to go into and was completely shocking spoilers for the end of the film but yeah just know that going in that it kind of resolves in the wildest way but to skate past that for now and to circle back later 
I loved how this movie also challenged some of my preconceived notions about horror movie and horror movie setups. And the one I want to mention straight off the bat is how we open on or not the cold open happens where there's this guy in a factory and he gets killed by the shadow demon. And we're like, oh, my God, this is so scary. And then Mm -hmm. it cuts to a shitty bachelor pad apartment with posters on the wall and like not enough furniture and it looks really scuzzy hey she ran away and- from home let's put an avenger <laughs> 712 poster in her room <laughs> yeah right. i loved that but it, but immediately so here's my here's where i challenge she's my punk implicit, she's punk billy in, <laughs> implicit bias no 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 no. because i am of course primed by society to be like a shitty apartment that must be where a boy lives mm. and like that's that's on me like I'll, I'll own that that side of the street but like to find out that it was like oh this is actually where she lives i was like oh Okay, also, movie. this movie is completely <laughs> bullshit. They lived in L.A. and she was able to solo afford that apartment herself. There were like four rooms in there, right? Was I she thought rich? she just worked worked in the tattoo parlor below. She never worked. Period. No, <laughs> she never saw her work. But so yeah, so so that was interesting. And I, of course, I thought, dear dear Brett, sweet Brett, the boyfriend of this movie. I so many times was like, well, this is where Brett dies. Goodbye, Brett. It was nice knowing you while you lasted. And he was a sweet boy. He believed his girlfriend. He just wanted to move in with her. (laughs) Or at least he wanted to leave a sock in there. Or at least be like a little bit more official. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted her to be like, can you just like call me your boyfriend? And she was like, "Mm, I don't know. (laughs) It's only been eight months. It's only been eight months. I like you. I like you, but don't keep your damn socks here. <laughs> yeah, don't keep don't keep even one of your socks in my apartment, you motherfucker. <laughs> so, in terms of in terms of that sort of stereotype flipping, I guess I don't know if it's stereotype is the right word, but just like what you assume the way they set up a setting in a movie, it comes with the baggage of this is the type of person that would normally live here, and it it did a good job of flipping that on its head. So, totally. hats off to you, movie. I so this movie did a lot of things cool and well and restrained and understated but I think the most obvious part of this movie that is why we're doing it is how scary it was right like that's the biggest thing I'm left with after watching this like this was a legitimately scary film and it's weird because a lot of the scares were jump scares but they didn't feel stupid or gratuitous. Yeah. Even though that music was there, like the music, the jump scare music was very reminiscent of Insidious, I thought. So once you see James Wan as a producer, you're like, okay, that makes sense. But I love the jump scares because A, the, the cinematography was incredible. The way the camera moved to show the jump scares was really like helmed by an auteur kind of feel to it. Like just how it moved across their bodies or up like the angles used of the camera to show Diana when she was there all of a sudden and how they did, I guess that's CGI. The CGI of her was almost perfect. How it like she appeared and disappeared based on the flashing. Like it was seamless. It didn't feel unnatural and it's extremely unnatural how that actually would be working right but it didn't it just felt like a picture almost and so the way that they used the lights and oh they're off now they're on she's one light closer right and then at the end how that like she doesn't die by the gunshots even though she's kind of corporeal because of the light from the gun like those tiny little details added to the jump the fear and the tension that when the jump scare happened, it felt more earned, I thought, than a lot of other movies don't earn their jump scares, I suppose. And 
I was like, oh, that very first scene scared the shit out of me because she's just <laughs> so there. Scary. She's just there. Like, what the fuck is this? Di- this per- like, we don't know it's Diana, but retrospectively, yeah. like, what the fuck is Diana doing here? What is happening? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I'll throw that out there to the two of you. Like, I just I thought the horror elements of this movie were cinematically flawless and kind of earned through the story too. Yeah. Absolutely. The the starting scene where Diana's in the factory, this sort of, I guess we can assume textile fashion factory. Mm. Either way, it's a creepy factory at nighttime where there's mannequins around. So already I'm like eight out of 10 freaked out because mannequins <laughs> and dark equals no. I'll yeah. do that math every day of the week. I'm confident that's the right answer. Mannequins plus dark equals no. More good props, right? Good settings, good props, all of it. Such good props. And I think the runtime of this movie really lent into the fear because we got to see Diana. We got to see the monster we're scared of within the first 10 minutes. There's no, like, something, a noise, I'm going to go investigate. We see a mangled body later. We don't know what happened. It's just like, no, motherfucker, this is a weird, (laughs) creepy, long, skinny, long-fingered, creepy crawly who... (laughs) appears when the lights are off and that first scene with the lady the the whatever random oh esther staff, her name was esther esther right the random staff lady who's closing up just standing in the break room turning the light on turning it off and seeing diana appear and disappear so many times was exactly the right amount of times for me to be like what is going on but not get annoyed by it like if it had done two more on offs before she moved i would have been like okay yeah move ahead you know what that reminded me of unsurprisingly the scene in insidious where the big guy tucker i guess is looking through that rotoscope or whatever that thing's called and it's like a different color different color and it's like two more than a a a generic horror movie would do so it just adds to that tension and then there's there's a kid right there and like that was like that because it was like four or five times in the same spot and then it yeah so i was like oh my gosh move closer (laughs) just a little like they edged us perfectly there (laughs) <laughs> don't, don't love that Is yeah that I, I like that scene because it would have been exactly what i would have done right mm-hmm. if i turn off the lights and then i see a silhouette i'm gonna turn it on because i'm creeped out and then disappears i'm like what the fuck i'm gonna turn it off again and then it's like oh it's back so i'm gonna keep turning on and off the lights <laughs> yeah and then when it runs at me i'm gonna be like oh hell no and then <laughs> poor esther yeah. like what the fuck <laughs> i like that she was just like she came back to the <laughs> the office and was like all right boss well i'm out of here later days <laughs> she's just like i'm going home <laughs> That was a big mood. But yeah, so the horror elements of this film, seeing Diana and seeing her in different contexts made us not immediately think that it was a figment of mom's imagination. Like they could have done with, for example, you mentioned Alex the Babadook, right? Where is this real? Is it ever seen? We see Diana appear to multiple characters in multiple different ways, in multiple different locations. And so we're like, okay, so whatever is going on, Diana is a real thing in this universe of this movie that mm-hmm. is not to be fucked with. And she's just, just so <laughs> creepy. Just yeah. so creepy. When she, when mom is talking to her in the hallway and Martin, the little kid, wakes up and goes to be like, mom, what's going on? Who are you talking to? And we just see her creepily waggle her head from like the top of the doorframe. I was like, nah, this movie. No, fuck this movie. <laughs> this movie's too scary. <laughs> <laughs> It really is a like a slightly less literal version of Malignant, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> There's even that red flashing light scene in this movie. It's like, this is crazy how much of an inspiration for Malignant this movie was. 
like I said, James Wan is just on set being like, uh-huh, mm, takes Take a, a picture notes. of that. Take a note, Take yeah. a little note. <laughs> even, I even wrote, before I knew James Wan was in there, with the the opening of this movie being centered on a light and then a weird camera move. I was like, that's yeah. a James Wan camera move. What is going on? <laughs> and how many times when they showed the house, are you like, okay, this is like, a, this, they did that like five times in Insidious as well. Yeah. Yeah. Diana's just like a really well used kind of villain. Just because we see her so much in this movie. She doesn't come up two thirds of the way through. And then we see, finally see the full shot of her or whatnot she she's she's there from like minute five and like periodically on and off and and she comes in in different ways right when she's in the basement with a black light and she's looking at all the mannequins it's like oh i bet one of these mannequins is her (laughs) yes it was it was the last one so that was like (laughs) another but but it made sense because you know dad or stepdad worked at this factory with mannequins so i'm sure there's probably mannequins at home and yeah it was just like cool to see a character utilized so much but in different ways every time we saw her it wasn't a jump scare it was like very ominous sometimes it was a jump scare sometimes and you just didn't know what you were gonna get mm-hmm. absolutely and i thought that the fear of her was maintained all throughout until we got to see more of her out of silhouette so anytime she was just a, a completely silhouetted figure with silver glowing eyes i was like this is peak scary this is the most scary but then as soon as when she's more corporeal in the black light towards the end of the movie already i was like oh she's not as scary she's not as scary because i can yeah. see more of her and she can be affected in a way it's like it's just is this mr boogie's sister <laughs> right <laughs> but it's amazing that the psychology of we're scared of the dark we don't know what's in the dark something that looks weird in the dark is scarier than something that looks weird in the light and just the fact that she is made weaker by the black light makes her less scary so by the end of this movie i'm like okay we we we, we got a handle on this we can take we can take care of diana and whew, yeah. yeah i also also loved how they used her without sh- showing her right like they used like the environment for her to interact with like you hear the scratching on the floorboard when she's carving in her name you see how she like vandalized little little rebecca's picture that she drew right you see her pulling like you don't see her but you see mom being pulled into the room further closer to the end and it's like well of course that's diana but like she's not actually in the shot you only see like your mind kind of fills in the blanks of oh diana's behind the door next to her and pulling her deeper in yeah and just again luke you mentioned the lighting of this being so effective from the very first frame of the movie you understand so quickly that okay the shadow is dangerous and it pays off really well at the end when brett is trying to leave the house and he has to run under that archway where it's just like very bright light a rectangle of pure blackness and then light on the other side and i was just like oh man he's gonna have to run through that and sure enough Diana yeah. side tackles him because she can travel through shadows or whatever. And this movie being so scary makes me overlook some of the inconsistencies with Diana's magic and her abilities, sure. even though there are some times where it's like, well, okay, so how does she travel? Why is there sometimes <laughs> she can approach somebody? Maybe she's a like a smoke behind, monster. Not, yeah. She can smoke monster her way around in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Every episode of Nothing to Fear, a uh, reference to Lost. <laughs> yeah. We promise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, I, it would have been a mistake to try to explain that kind of stuff for this yeah. movie, right? Because like a lot of these supernatural movies, the literal manifestation of this is nonsense. Because how is she corporeal if she's a part of 
the mom, what was her name? Maria Bello's character, her mental, Sophie. If she's a part of Sophie, Sophie's yeah. mental health, how can she affect the physical world? Like, I was actually half expecting that Diana was Sophie. I thought we might be getting a kind yeah. of schizophrenia ending or dissociative kind of identity yeah exactly yeah, right yeah. like once there's a well like it wouldn't have made any sense because of how much diana disappeared throughout the movie but i was half expecting the last scene of the movie diana to step out into the light and be sophie right mm-hmm. there's a number of movies that do that kind of thing but again that would have made it worse it's better with the mystery i think right because the themes are good enough actually the themes are really interesting although they were a little ham-fisted in through the plot but the scare like i think, the, horror... I think the term we use is semi-fisted <laughs> Luke. oh right yes yes sorry they were semi-fisted. but you're right like the horror elements of this are some of the best we've seen i think because they're so well crafted to be so fluid with each other so yeah like how does diana move around well she just can somehow be the size of a pin and float through the darkness to the other part of the darkness i guess <laughs> yeah right oh, and man. then they, they were able to explain her enough without being asked, like without making more questions it was just like yeah she was a violent kid at this <laughs> hospital in her childhood and tried to be friends with sophie but hurt sophie and then she has this like skin condition where she gets hurt by light so we decided to experiment <laughs> on her because it was the 80s and then uh she died <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were you made that comment in the chat, Billy. That was so funny. It's like, man, this is this is really the kids from the others. Yeah, this on. is the light allergy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no kidding. <laughs> it was just so funny to see. You, you could tell they needed some kind of medical explanation, and I feel like this is. I mean, this was a original idea from Sandberg, the director. But I just I love just enough sort of it's medical question mark that gives you some <laughs> yeah. information but it doesn't bother with that like we love that in, in malignant where it was just like i don't know she's just got a malignant on the back of her yeah okay and it was this one it was like she she allergic to the sunlight and she's a bit mean okay <laughs> We're she kind of <laughs> like you can see the the influence also a little bit of Watchmen in how Doctor Manhattan gets totally obliterated in that machine, and then it, at least in the graphic novel they make it more clear he comes back bit by bit. Someone sees him right. a bit corporally, and then a bit more corporally until all of a sudden he's back in the physical world again. And like Diana was physically destroyed, but she's kind of back physically now, but kind of not. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Whatever. But so this is this is where we dive into the analogy to a mental in, a mental state with right. Sophie and the fact that is Diana a representation of her trauma, of her depression, of her disease, and the fact that I also thought that it was going to be a Sophie is Diana, Diana is Sophie thing, except for the scene where the first time Martin sees her, he sees both his mom and Diana like yeah. as separate beings so even though you see that you get that piece of information that they're separate your mind is still like well she's just manifesting her trauma in a shadow monster and it's mm-hmm. her depression and the idea that her depressive state won't let her leave won't let her take care of herself is so uh, so spooky because it's such a yeah. it's such a real problem and mm-hmm. i don't love that they dealt with it that the mom took her life to solve it i was like "Ooh, that i would have liked a different ending where it could have been a bit of a happier ending but okay that's what they decided to do and it's it's very much like diana equals depression i'm doing a lot of math this episode i realized yeah i think that decision for the ending is better for the plot of the movie even though it's 
clearly less better for like real life themes or thoughts Mm -hmm. or like how to deal Mm -hmm. with it. But because of how much the movie kind of relied on Diana being a physical entity and manipulating the world, it makes the most sense that it has to be a physical destruction of something in this case, Sophie to defeat Diana. Right. Like if it was like some sort of Patronus, right. Like (laughs) if it was more ethereal, like a Dementor, let's say, and you just have a spell, the light, I don't know. Like, I think that would have felt less resolved in the plot of the movie than this way, even though this way is sadder, clearly like that's understating it hugely. And I don't really know what to like the positive theme is, I suppose, like the mom sacrificing to save her children. Like there's a kind of sacrificial archetype there, but it was Mm -hmm. a little bit. So I'll put it to you this way. The themes of this movie are actually super deep, and I don't think this movie (laughs) went into (laughs) them deeply enough of where they can go. And that doesn't mean it was bad. It's just there's a lot further to, to delve into this type of psychology and this type of situation, and obviously being an 81-minute movie, it didn't do that. So I don't know if that's it's, a criticism. It's, it's, it's semi-fisted, it's just, the themes, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I also wasn't completely thrilled with how Diana was resolved. I think that could have been done probably a little bit better for, but like, yeah, I, I agree with you, Luke, that it, it definitely helps make the movie itself or at least the plot a little bit better and more concise. But I don't think this was the intention of the writer or the director to be like, hey, if you want to get out of depression, like this is the easiest and best way to do it. Like, I don't think that was that yeah, was it no. at all. Um, it and just, we're like, not saying that either. <laughs> yeah, and I don't care who knows. <laughs> I do. I care that everyone knows that. We're not saying uh, that. <laughs> I think it was just like a storytelling mechanism that helps yeah. wrap up this specific plot. But I, th- I think, like, Diana itself, the way I saw that character was a little bit of both the physical manifestation and the theme of depression. You know, they had to make something tangible as a villain because that's what they chose to do for this movie. But I think also sure. it, it, it kind of paints themes of how this external entity that's not really anybody's fault. Like, I don't think Diana is anybody's fault that she's there. In fact, it was actually out of, I would argue it's the goodness of Sophie's heart that she allowed diana in right because she's like i i left her before i'm not going to do it again which i think that's a deep theme in of itself but it, it shows that diana aka depression can ruin everything two families two different families and obviously the way they had to make it tangible was like diana literally kills both dads mm-hmm. but it's it's a thinker and while it wasn't done the best way it was done a way that i think opens up discussion and areas of yeah thought Mm -hmm. i I think the parallel between this movie and the babadook is an apt one and i think that given the two of them the idea that at the end of the babadook spoilers for babadook i guess the mom has the babadook chained in the basement and sort of the idea is like she's got a handle on her depression and it it's not out of her life but it doesn't control her life anymore and that's what the one side the positive side of dealing with depression and living with depression and sort of not letting it control you then the end of oh god what's it called lights off lights out lights out it's the the sadder 
side of that spectrum where yeah sophie felt like she couldn't control it and she couldn't control diana and it was just gonna take and take and take and people do get helpless yeah, and feel helpless so. that's that's an important yeah. story to tell as well right like yeah even though this was kind of a shitty ending these shitty endings happen in life so i think like yeah, yeah I'm, I'm kind of i'm kind of of the opinion that like all stories need to be told even if they're stuff that we don't want to talk about or stuff that's uncomfortable yeah. or stuff that really doesn't do the subject justice because this this is a reality as well it's a very unfortunate reality but these things happen yeah and and i think if, you know go ahead oh no sorry, you you go billy you go i was just gonna say as a as a disclaimer of course if you're struggling with depression or any sort of mental health things like take a look around or reach out if you can and be safe out there kids mm-hmm. well and I, yeah i mean i think it's when it comes to fiction too it's how you want to frame it and how you want to have a perspective on it because like i think probably what because this movie was so tight and good and interesting and intelligent i'm going to assume this take is that it's quite similar actually to vader in return of the jedi vader sacrifices himself to save his kid right like Mm -hmm. vader must know that if he kills the emperor all that energy like he's probably not going to make it right right and in a similar way and it's a little bit more direct and a little bit more visceral in a movie like lights out that's the decision sophie makes this is like Mm -hmm. she she says it explicitly leave my kids alone this is to protect my kids now obviously there are a number of differences between Return of the Jedi and Lights Out. But I think archetypally, <laughs> that theme is not not totally dissimilar. No, no Ewoks. No Ewoks in Lights Out. <laughs> yeah. That's the biggest one I spotted. <laughs> is, oh, question. Is Diana the shadow of the Empire? <laughs> so she, you're telling me she comes back in, what, 40 years? Yeah. So t- I'm, just, I'm just saying I choose to think about it that way. Sure. If given the choice, because I think that that's much more uplifting and are a story mechanism more than a literalness, sure kind of mm-hmm. thing, right? And I I do think they did cover a lot of the uncomfortable conversations that you have to have in in a very what's the word well thought out way, I guess. Yeah, they did talk about how taking medication is a very real thing, and in order to treat depression, and you know that was given as an option to Sophie, and she didn't take it but it was shown that that's an option and then it also showed like cps being involved and and how there's the very as as unrealistic as this movie was there's the very realistic part of mental health taking a toll on a family to a point where a child is no longer safe or being well taken care of in their own home right right i think that th- those were important pieces to have in this movie and i'm like really impressed that they were able to cover all those topics in an 81 minute film i think that's what makes this so good is that yeah I don't think they did a disservice to any of these things. You know, we we could argue that the ending might have been a disservice, but I'll I'll kind of go back to my point about how that's an important story to tell as well. And props to this movie for doing this, like <laughs> totally doing this in a short, concise way that was also very entertaining. Yeah, and I think where the Diana as depression sort of thing falls down is that there was a very distinctive sense of it all being over at the very end. Whereas if this was a more representation Mm -hmm. of depression, then 
you would have a sense that Diana was still out there, still in the shadows. Maybe she's latched on to Rebecca or Martin because they have gone through hell and that's going to have mental health implications for all of them for the rest of their lives. The movie wraps up where they're sitting on the back of the ambulance and they're like, I guess we're a family now. And then it's credits. And I thought for (laughs) sure, like I thought it was going to do the thing that all the screen movies do where there's one more scare before the end. There's one more Mm. chance to say, I gotcha. And they didn't take it in this one. So I was just like, Okay. I mean, it was it was guess... kind of vague. Like when the light mm-hmm. flickered, it showed that whether it was you know Diana's not truly gone or you know the power is just coming back on because haha, LA infrastructure. Oh. But I felt like that light flicker at the end left enough you know reason that you know you know it's not truly gone. Well, it's open for a I sequel didn't... if need be. Yeah, I think actually they they wanted to make a sequel, but. Like, I read that they are still in production. A point, uh, point of notice that I missed then, I did not see the light flicker at the end. I mm-hmm. thought it was just like, game over, man, we're done. But so, but I do I do think yeah. overall the feel of this movie, Billy, is that it, it airs on the side of reliable narration as opposed to mm-hmm. unreliable narration, right? Like, we yeah. are meant to believe that Diana is seen by the characters in the universe like the doors and the walls are, right? So... Yeah. And I think that that actually is, if it was unreliable narration or if it was more metaphorical, I don't know. Like we're looking more at a movie, maybe like like an inferior version of The Shining, maybe, or like something like that, right? Like we're looking, it's more like Babadook for sure. If it's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. not unreliable, but just more metaphorical, maybe. But I think that that would have been more disappointing if they had gone that way in the film because of how much of the first two acts were for lack of a better yeah. term, reality based, right? So yeah. it it was it was a self it was a really good self-contained, unlikely but satisfying story with themes that we can like pick out if we choose to, but also wasn't the nucleus of the point of this movie, I don't think. I agree. Yeah, you're, that's that's all that's great points. Because mm. Well, I am a professional podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's literally true. <laughs> yeah yeah i think going back to that point about how i just really liked how all the characters were very positive towards each other and believed each other right away yes i like that. i think like even though you know it might not have been necessarily completely realistic you know you have an estranged daughter who hasn't been in the life of this family for a while and all of a sudden she's willing to take guardianship of her younger stepbrother no questions asked it's like are people this good? You know, I'd like to think mm-hmm. so, but mm-hmm. I don't think that that's like a very <laughs> common thing. But it painted a really nice kind of picture in that Rebecca knows exactly what Martin's going through because she went through the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether or not we can say that the wanting to help immediately and take care of him is completely realistic, it shows that like empathy in these kinds of situations is very important. And I think talking to it with people that have gone through the same thing is is a really powerful you know way to to deal with something like this yeah sure yeah the fact that martin has somebody in his life who has a shared experience and can help him navigate through is i think really important and good on her i like i i didn't like the scene i think when we talk about the scenes that dragged a little bit i didn't like the stuff with the social worker where she was in the apartment being like you gotta this isn't a fit place for a child and it was just like there's a bong and some heavy metal posters <laughs> i was like okay like this is a pretty nice apartment there's you're he, he'll be fine here 
Yeah, that the whole social worker element was like to add more tension or jeopardy, like to make it, I guess, make it more tense for Rebecca before she knows Diana is real. So she has like yep. a buy-in, like she has more interest in this. And then it's revealed that she has a long history with her mom's mental health. So, but we don't know that at the time. So, but yeah, right. it's like, I don't know. I mean, that felt, this is the, the kind of child protective services element of all this felt very much like a plot motivator because mm-hmm. I don't know what the background of all of this is. Yeah, And it adds a time crunch, I guess, in the history mm-hmm. of, the, in not the history, but in the timeline of this movie where if Rebecca is able to investigate this at her leisure Maybe her mom is in danger, but there's not that ticking clock of like, they're coming to take Martin away. And so it adds Mm -hmm. stakes. You have to solve this fast. Otherwise, you're going to lose Martin. And then it's the whole family is shattered. And And so to augment your point, I those were the scenes where I felt like the acting was a little bit forced. It felt kind of like a weird kind of network TV procedural that's trying to be more self-serious than it can ever really be. Like I just, and I don't know if I blame the actresses so much as as I just don't think that dialogue was quite well, like, I don't know. It left me wanting a bit in terms of like, this is kind of stilted and wooden and uninspired in a way that doesn't mesh with the fearfulness of this movie. I, I There were some scenes where the conversations I was like, uh, this is much less alive than the rest of this movie is. <laughs> yeah. So I have a, a question and maybe we can piece it together for the listener who maybe hasn't watched this movie. But Diana was a presence in mom's life when Rebecca was little and then went well, and away. Before that. And before that. Yeah. So when yeah. Sophie was in the mental hospital. When Sophie was that's young. Where and she, then, yeah. Sophie and Diana were friends. And then Diana stuck around. Well, Rebecca was alive because we saw a flashback of little baby Rebecca seeing the picture get changed. And then was Rebecca's dad sort of helping mom through her trauma and through her depression? And that's why Diana got rid of her? Like, I, I think it's implied that that's what happened because okay. it, it was explicitly said that Martin's dad, who was Martin's dad's name? Paul, I want uh, like he was the guy at the yeah. start. Yeah, yeah, at the very start, like he dies right away. But it was implied that Paul was looking into the past. Well, of he had that box Sophie. of files, right? Exactly. Yeah, he had, he oh, had all right, the right, evidence right, right. and like all the hospital stuff. And I think there's there's a line somewhere in the movie where Martin says like Dad was trying to help her and she killed him. And then you know okay. um, we hear that line when Sophie's con- or not Sophie when Diane is confronting Rebecca that like if you like I'll show you where your dad I hate is. Your like, father. Yeah, in- yeah, implying. I guess not really implying, just like straight up, straight yeah. up saying that she, Diana was the one that killed dad. So I guess you can kind of piece those two as parallels where both dads were trying to help their spouse through this stage. And because they were getting too close or they were getting, giving them too much help. And even Sophie had that line where your dad helped me feel strong, mm, right? Yeah. That they were getting too close to fix, quote unquote, fixing right. Diana, that Diana took them out of the equation. So I think that's. That's how it's implied. This might be where the themes are at their strongest, because if you want to think about it like Diana as depression or as Sophie's mental health, like that's the thing that drives the men away in her life, maybe. Like at a metaphorical level, maybe it's the mental health stuff that makes them separate or not be together anymore. And then the children are left feeling to pick up the pieces yeah pick up the pieces and alienate and i think that's probably where the the kind of theme is at its strongest in Hmm. the family dynamic of all of Mm -hmm. that and i i do really like how obviously there's two sides of what can happen where 
shitty dads can't abandon families when mm-hmm. you know things aren't going well but i think it was implied in this movie that both dads were trying to help sophie through it yeah which i think is a really nice kind of sentiment even mm-hmm. though they end up dead <laughs> right right like we are supportive of you we know what you're going through we're trying to help you wasn't there a line that something about rebecca's dad also working in that hospital or being around that hospital where sophie was i thought there was a line about that i don't remember that i don't remember that if it anyway. was i don't remember it yeah did diana tell you that luke <laughs> Yeah, she's in this closet right here whispering no, to me. No, no, turn the lights on, turn the lights on, turn the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. going to be great. Like, I, I like how this movie is like kind of cliche in a positive way, right? Yeah. A lot of the time horror movies are just like, how much further can we make these characters feel shitty and make yeah. them at the lowest low? But like in this movie, it's like you have people around you. You have people that are supportive of you. And even when things are at yeah. their absolute worst. They're still there for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I liked how it was like an opposite cliche, you know? Yeah. And I think that that speaks to Brett and Rebecca's relationship really well, because if Rebecca has seen her father, who was trying to help her mom suddenly disappear, her experience of a partner being supportive is he's only supportive until he's not. And so the fact that Brett the whole time is just like a genuinely nice, gentle hipster guy. I kind of fell in love with Brett a little bit in this movie, I won't lie. Yeah. And the fact that he's around, he's, he's sticking through it, she has to work through her own sense of, well, other people have said they'd stick around and they didn't, so she's got issues to deal with and she's figuring them out. And it's, yeah, again, it's not, I will admit this, it's not often I come to the defense or wave the flag for the, the male protagonist or the male actors in a horror movie because they're usually shitty. And I was just like, yay, yay, Brett. It was, it was a nice change, for you, right? Brett. Yeah, it's nice to see. Yeah. And, well, that's to like, the movie's the credit. Yeah, so, exactly. Oh, yeah, to exactly. upend some of our preconceptions about horror movies in that yeah. way. Yeah, horror movies usually have a shitty boyfriend. In this one, he was <laughs> great. Remarkably <laughs> understanding. He never, he's never met Martin till now. She's never mentioned him. And then like the first thing he thinks of is like, is this what's best for Martin? I'm like, what the fuck is it? Who <laughs> yeah. is this guy? Is he like Dalai Lama reincarnate? He's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> Team bread all the way. And then can we talk about Martin? Martin is like the Let's nicest kid ever. Yeah. No, he's, he's like so sweet. unrealistically sweet, which is also <laughs> a nice change, right? Because you have in Babadook, obviously it's not the kid's fault that shit's happening. Like, the Babadook is haunting them and, like, making them feel isolated and alone and scared. But he's also a shithead in that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just screaming one, and building traps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Martin's just, like, he's just so wholesome. Like, I, I'd i want him to be my brother. He's, yeah. He's, 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 he cares about his mom. He cares about his sister. It's like, have you had your vitamins yet? Mm. It's like, don't worry, mom. I'll be back. It's just, like, I really need some sleep. Like, he's just so emotionally grown up for a 12-year-old. <laughs> yeah. It's so unrealistic. But it was a nice welcome change. Yeah. It was really good. And by way of my final thoughts of this movie, I wanted to touch on the product placement in this film, which I don't always notice, but I really noticed that Kettle Brand Chips was very prominently yeah. featured a couple of times. It's and a also movie. <laughs> this being a Warner Brothers film and New Line Cinema, just the the fact that there's posters of the Justice League and superhero like Superman figurines all over, and this movie coming out in 2016, which was around the time of Batman v Superman and the Justice League movie was coming out in a few years and they were trying to gin up some excitement for it. I just noticed it. I see you, DC. I see what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah, there's like a lot of little details that I really appreciated about this movie. Obviously, this might not be true, but in my mind, that's that's what happened is I think Brett is in a band 
right? He seems like he'd be in a band. He's like a musician, and there's a line where Rebecca's like, I'll see you at the gig tomorrow. And then when he shines his phone, you see a picture of him and like two other guys. <laughs> like, yeah. He would have a picture of his band on his as his screen, <laughs> like his, his wallpaper, right? Yeah, that's funny. There's there's another thing that I've alluded to a few times, but I, I'd love Ooh, to yes. get your thoughts directly on them before we finish up talking about the movie, because I've been thinking about this a little bit as we've been talking. I don't know if we've done a movie that has had its technical features aid its narrative as good as this one. Maybe we have, but I thought the way the, the cinematography, the camera work, the sound engineering, the sound effects, the framing of the shots how people were standing in relation to the way that the light was falling on them. All of the technical elements of cinema were so, so aiding the story of this movie and the scares that it made me think a little bit like, what other movie has done this as good as this movie has? Because often the technical elements of a movie can cheesify or suspend disbelief or like not suspend disbelief and i just i just was so i i consciously noticed how good the cinematography aided the scares and so i don't know like is that a james wanism influence Mm. maybe or like what what did you the two of you think about like the technical elements of this movie in aiding its story yeah it was good there you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are there other movies that you've noticed that too, though? Like, because I felt like this was unique in that way, almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, Two Towers, obviously, but ah, yes. okay. in terms of a horror movie, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I think this is the oldest horror premise ever. Mm. Right. Yeah. There's something in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of witchy. <laughs> it's 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 a very simple kind of scare premise, but it was done so well. The way that it was filmed how very clearly see a silhouette in the dark as soon as the light goes on instantly disappeared Mm -hmm. it's so simple yeah but the way that they framed it the way that light played a role and there's like so many different sources of light which was awesome in this movie phones candles flashlights flashlights the fire headlights the muzzle flash of the gun right like super creative use of a very simple premise and it was i would say it was executed like flawlessly there was at no point where i was watching this movie and being like this cgi kind of sucks or like this mm-hmm. was i don't know why they framed it like this i think the only time i felt that way in this movie where i was like uh i don't like that was not done very well was mom's final line right yeah. i thought that was kind of like it felt very hero of or protagonist needs right. to yeah. do a yeah, one-liner yeah, yeah. before they they do the heroic deed mm-hmm. um, i thought that was a little bit out of place but in terms of like everything else it, it fits so well and like i can't like i'm gonna praise it again like them being able to do this in an 81 minute movie yep very very impressed i think it's evident that the money went into making the effects in the setting look as good as it could because this is a bare bones cast i think there's mm-hmm. maybe 10 people who are in this movie there's no yeah. crowd work there's no scenes of extras it's very stripped down right they're mm-hmm. in the social welfare office at school there's like three settings yeah Yeah. it's the social worker martin rebecca the end right like Mm -hmm. it's a very there's not like anything going on in the background and i think they dumped it into making the edits and the cuts where diana is there and not as good as possible and i think yeah alex what you said about it being the oldest story ever not only is the the thing in the dark a very primal fear but also the fact that a slender kind of bedraggled sickly looking thing is a 
primal fear baked into humans because if you're out in the savannah as early human and somebody is really super skinny and unkempt something's wrong about them do they have a disease are they rabid are they going to attack me right like it's it's baked into our dna and our genetic code and the fact that this thing of a scary wrong proportioned human in a dark shadow is Mm -hmm. so scary and so well done it's it could be overplayed but it it just it hits that lizard part of your brain so well and they're just like guess what you're scared (laughs) you don't know why but you're fucking scared (laughs) you know we've done tons of movies on this podcast where it's very clear that the filmmaker or the the director of photography is manipulating the situation Mm -hmm. kind of unfairly or cheaply to get under our skin right like we've talked about how an edit will make someone have moved a hundred feet in a second, which is like (laughs) not quite feasible in our intuitive physics and all of that. Whereas this movie was so meticulous in how it earned the scares with how the shots were framed. I thought like that, that would be a more clinical way to put it. Like this is a, I would recommend this movie as a, as a film school type of film to show how you earn like how you on screen earn your scares through how you make the camera work around your characters and around the monster in a way that just flashing jump scares don't do all the time right, right? maybe the like Absolutely. this movie earned its jump scares like i said before and i think it's because of how disciplined the camera was in so many of the shots absolutely well, also i think the the premise helped it earn the jump scares as well sure right? yeah like you know when there's light on, Diana's never going to be there. Yeah. Because very clearly from the start of the movie, you know the weakness of this entity mm-hmm. is that Diana can't appear in the light. So we're primed to feel scared when there is darkness, which that yeah. feeling is earned by the filmmakers because of the premise that they gave us with. Yeah. yeah. Right? I think this movie would have... I would have hated this movie if there was a time where we saw Diana in the light because it would have been like... <laughs> Yeah. No, you just broke the rules of your own world, and now this scare feels cheap. Yeah. Even if it was like the scariest scare yeah. of the movie, if we saw it in the daytime or in the light, I would have been like, "No, fuck this movie." It was very internally consistent. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and that's I think because it's consistent, those scares feel very. It, it didn't and, break its um, own rules. Yeah. 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 And even the there was there was one time where I felt like kind of almost broke its rules a little bit where the when the cops are in the house shines a flashlight down the hallway and you see just like the edge of her hair disappearing where it's mm. like would that have not disappeared completely but he needs something to to see like a, a flicker yeah, of movement right. to go That's so it's point. like it it like it doesn't break that rule but it really pushes on it <laughs> but it's it it happens. <laughs> Maybe the movie knows there's no such thing as perfection, so it put an intentional flaw in, ah, so it, it wouldn't yes. be an unbelievable movie. Sure, that's right. It was <laughs> it was doing that rug thing that <laughs> it's like only God is, makes a perfect horror movie, and we are not God, so we have yeah. to <laughs> make a flaw yeah. into it. I wanted to ask you, Luke, you alluded to earlier about the concept of the shadow person uh, or the shadow self, and I wonder if you wanted to allude to that a little bit more, elaborate a bit more. If not, I'll well, edit it out. But again, it yeah. only occurred to me literally because of Diana <laughs> being a, a shadow monster, essentially. Now, I'm not an expert in Jungian psychology. I think it's interesting. It can be a little bit overstated, I think, as a determining factor in people's lives. But I think Sorry, it's... what's what's Jungian? Is that Neil Young? Carl Young. Carl, Carl Young. Carl Young. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> With the J. With the yes. J. <laughs> yeah. He had a heart of gold symbols. 
Now again, so like uh, all the that might be the nerdiest joke you've ever made in your entire life. I know. <laughs> so again, I want to preface this with the caveat that I'm not an expert on Young. I've just read. This is not financial advice. Yeah, no, this is not financial advice. As far as I can remember, because I read about this a long time ago, the shadow, the Jungian shadow, is the unconscious part of yourself that is manifesting in the world in ways that obviously you don't know because it's unconscious. But it's like how you're treating people. It's like the negative things and that you're doing that you're not that you don't know that you're doing. And like the positive antidote to that is incorporating your shadow is becoming aware of it. And I don't know if that exactly fits with how Sophie and Diana's relationship works because it appears that Sophie's quite aware of Diana the whole time as opposed to not knowing that Diana is part of herself in some sort of metaphorical way. So right. again, I don't I'm not an expert. I don't know if it fits exactly well, but my guess would be the movie is just sprinkling in the lightest of the Jungian touch to this to say like look right. Because what Sophie is unconscious of, it appears, is how much damage Diana is doing to the rest of her family. So right. that could be the Jungian shadow, which mm-hmm. obviously, in a more realistic sense, things that Sophie might be doing would be in real life damaging her family that she doesn't know that she's doing. Yeah, yeah. Or she'd be doing something to gain for yeah. herself. And this point is much deeper than I'm aware of or or could articulate in this podcast because it it can, like Young talked about, like it going much further than just like not knowing exactly how you're always treating people. But nonetheless, I I just thought it was an interesting thing because, you know, it's literally a shadow. Now, Young talks about incorporating your shadow and in this movie, they destroy the shadow. So it's not quite the same thing, but, you know. Mm -hmm. Fun to fun to just riff on for a second or two. Cool. Well, thanks for elaborating that. Is it similar to the book Tobias wrote? <laughs> Which one? The Man Inside of Me? Oh, yes. <laughs> definitely. <inside> <laughs> it's really popular. <laughs> <laughs> the shadow right. the shadow beside me. The shadow beside me. Semi-fisted. Yeah, semi-fisted <laughs> shadow beside me. <laughs> God damn it, you guys. <laughs> You're the all right. Any other final thoughts before we dive into the ratings on this one? Alex, got any last things you want to touch on? No, I think I think we covered pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. Cool. My last thing I'll say, the scene where she goes downstairs to try to turn the lights back on, because I love seeing what movies remind me of other movies, reminded me a lot of Jurassic Park when they're mm, trying to get the power yeah. back on in the yeah, park. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, Jurassic Park rocks. <laughs> Not Newman. <laughs> I think we're back in business. Raptor face. Oh, so good. Okay, anyway. Luke, final thoughts? <laughs> just just like how I thought this movie would be good, but I just I this is the kind of movie that throws in that pleasant surprise that this podcast can do sometimes. Like I love recording every week, but I especially love the weeks where it's a movie I've never seen that's like really good. And this is a good Valentine's Day movie because it was <laughs> like incorporating all of the best parts of or all of the things I love the most about this podcast was yeah, in this movie, this you know, so. All righty. Well, that's a good pick. So what are we going to pick for the scariest part? Scariest part of this movie. Why don't you start us off, Luke? I thought the beginning scene of this movie was great. So I'm going to pick the whole sequence of Esther first seeing Diana 
on off on off on off there right Mm because like also that sets the stage really well for how diana seems at some parts of the movie just like really uninterested in the human characters that can see her right like there's a large (laughs) amount of time where diana's there but not like quote-unquote attacking or haunting the person like whether it's scratching in the floor or just like hanging out talking to sophie it's like yeah okay i'll attack you later and like it's just cool (laughs) like it was it's like a weird different take on the specter or the shadow right because all these kind of like inferior movies they attack you immediately whereas diana's kind of like oh fuck i'm busy can you come back in two minutes you know <laughs> really quick i have to finish scratching yeah. my name into the floor and then i'll scare you just you hang out don't worry about it can you turn that light off i can't work in the light <laughs> such good tension it's like being on the savannah or something and noticing a lion that hasn't seen you yet and you're just like, just like oh fuck <laughs> yeah. yeah i think i agree the, the the start of this movie was the scariest because it carried through to the rest of the movie mm-hmm. and it kept me on on the edge of my seat and holding my notebook halfway over my field of vision and crunching into myself because i was so so scared it was really scary so the the opening of this movie was the scariest part alex well i guess i'll be really unoriginal and say the the same scene was my scariest part of the movie (laughs) it was it was freaky yeah Yeah, and it it works so well because like i said earlier it sets the premise of what this being is and can do and it's like okay light is good dark is bad that's when she shows up the fear of the dark right like it's it's one of the oldest scariest things out there so yeah that opening scene was my scariest part of the movie yeah and so effective and i think also because usually you have a chance to settle into a horror movie there's like a bit of tension and it gets creepy but very rarely does it hit you at 100 miles an hour the scary stuff out of the gate and so hats off movie so, Luke, we got to rate it. you got to pick right. someone to rate it out of. So I'm really glad they brought a blacklight into this movie because it reminds me of the scene in The <laughs> Office where they blacklit the hotel bed and it's Dwight and Michael. And Michael's <laughs> like, what are these stains? And Dwight says, well, it's either blood, semen, or urine. And Michael's like, God, I hope it's urine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. with the spirit of that in mind, I want to rate this movie out of five unspecified blacklit stains. Not okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I I think this like this movie is so tight and well made and well written and scary. The only things that I would dock marks on are at some points the acting was a little bit flat to me and the written dialogue was a little bit uninspired, I thought. And the ending is risky. And won't land for everyone and could be quite, almost I would say, traumatizing for some people. And so mm-hmm. it's fine for me and I can see why it wouldn't be fine for other people. So those are like the only things that I would dock it marks for, but everything else is so good. And I love that it's a technically tight movie as well as a narratively tight movie. So I'm going to give it 4.6 mm. unspecified blacklit stains out of out five of unspecified blacklit stains what's a 0. 0.6 of a stain 0. 0.6 of a stain well that's that's the that's a little dribble at the end right <laughs> it's the um it's the uh what would you say it's the premature unspecified stain that is waiting for the main unspecified stain <laughs> you guys are bad friends <laughs> no we're no. just gross ones <laughs> 
You're just gross. gross. Yeah. Different. I I definitely agree with you in terms of all the stuff you said. I think this movie does lose points for me because of how the ending is handled and how it's dealt with. And that topic is a heavy one. Obviously, suicide is a huge topic. And the mm-hmm. fact that it ends kind of in the way where the person does suicide, it I was like, eh, yeah, there might have been a different way to tell that story. And so that being said, that shadow on the on the the blemish uh, blemish on the face of this one i'm gonna go for i'm gonna go 4.75 though so i liked it a lot if it had just a little bit of a tighter ending this could have been one of the rare five out of fives for me so 4.75 unspecified blacklight stains i'm you know what it's not blood urine or semen it's just glow stick juice just like the inside of a glow stick there you the go. glow stick got a little too excited is all yeah okay <laughs> Alex this was a great movie I enjoyed it the whole way through I think it I personally think it does justice on the themes and the narration was really well done and the story was super super good and once again 81 minutes it's like the best part I, how much do I love you too hey yeah, so good so much <laughs> And yeah, the premise of the scares and just the way it was shot. And I just love that characters are good to each other. I think that's such a welcome change to a horror movie. And it gave me some wholesome Marley and me, cheaper by the dozen vibes at the end. You know, it's like, you know, I guess mom dies at the end, but they were there for each other for the whole time. Similar to Old Yeller. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) So yeah, this is a really good movie. I would recommend it to anybody. So I'm going to give it a 4.7 unspecified black light stains out of five nice nice oh yeah and if that's not something to cheer which i also i recommend this movie this movie is so good you should all watch it please go watch this movie it's yeah so Mm -hmm. but we're gonna cheer something else are in our own lives so luke what are you cheering this week so later today i'm going to record full spectrum cinema with other alex and i'm gonna cheer the movie we're gonna talk about today because we watched midnight cowboy which is oh, a, yeah, yeah. A, a 1969 John Voight, Dustin nice. Hoffman film. And I'd never seen it before. And it's equally weird and silly and tragic and uplifting and, and funny. Like, it's just this pastiche of a movie of John Voight being this Texas cowboy that moves to New York and meets Dustin Hoffman's kind of like Brooklyn lowlife type of guy. And I lo- is that the scene where he's walking here? I'm yeah. walking here. Yeah, yeah that he's movie. Oh, and, okay. and, and I was like, I knew it was, fr- I, 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 for some reason in my mind, I thought that scene was from Kramer versus Kramer. So when it mm-hmm. showed up in Midnight Cowboy, I was like, whoa, oh, this is so cool. Because I've seen scene. that clip a million times, right? So, right. And apparently that scene was improvised. Like the taxi wasn't was scheduled, supposed to. Yeah, exactly. But all of that is the cheer. But the nucleus of the cheer is that. Dustin Hoffman's character is named Rico Rizzo. His nickname is Ratso Rizzo. His accent <laughs> yeah. is exactly the same as Rizzo the Rat from the Muppets. So I, it would be a remarkable coincidence if this character didn't inspire Rizzo the Rat as a one hundred percent did. 
<laughs> and I just I'm cheering, making a cultural connection I didn't know of before. Obviously, uh, the nice. two of you know I love that shit. But yeah. the fact that this like really disgusting and tr- and kind of <laughs> tragic Dustin Hoffman character inspired a Muppet is so cool, so yeah. cool, so <laughs> so good. I would recommend to the two of you if you've never seen it. Midnight Cowboy is like equally awesome and sad, and a really good movie, and just weirdly modern for a 1969 movie as well so midnight cowboy really fucking weird good movie (laughs) believe it or not i have seen midnight cowboy Mm. but i watched it this will date me a little bit but i watch it back when you could still rent movies from roger's video Ah, so i was what's 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 renting a video yeah so kids before streaming you had to anyway (laughs) no so i remember renting this on dvd when i was sort of in my most insufferable early 20s when i was trying to watch all the good movies and i remember that one came up on my list and i watched it and i was just like i'm 19 years old i don't know any of the themes of this but i feel like i'm watching an important movie so yeah i might need to revisit it and see (laughs) you know now that i've got more understanding which actually is gonna play into my cheer too that is exactly how i felt the first time i watched memento when memento (laughs) first ended i was like i know i just watched a great movie and i have no idea why (laughs) (laughs) which that that kind of dovetails nicely into my cheer because my cheer for this week is the fact that i've been doing a lot of reading i'm taking some english courses this semester for some electives and the novel lists are long and extensive i've got 12 different novels to read before the end of the semester so it's a lot and in one day i reread the entirety of the time machine because by hg wells it's very short it's only 100 pages and i was impressed that i plowed through it so fast but i had actually taken an english course in my first undergrad degree and the time machine was on it and i read it and i remember being like yeah that was an interesting book and then when i reread it just recently n- now that i've got i guess 15 years away from it or yeah about 15 years away from it i'm like i i did not pick up on any of this the first <laughs> time i read this <laughs> And I enjoyed it much more. (laughs) Hey, Billy, the door is too easy to open. It needs more locks. (laughs) Need more (laughs) locks. Eloy, Eloy, Eloy. Okay. Is that a clock stoppers (laughs) reference? No, the kind of like enemy types in the time machine are called more locks. The more locks. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The more locks. Never read it. Did you watch the Guy Pierce movie ever? I might. I might track it down. But it's Guy Pierce. You know, Guy Pierce. He's a very famous actor. Anyway, I was cheering something. So yes, my sorry. cheer this week is just the fact that I've been doing way more reading. Yes, it's for school, but reading novels is something I have not really sat down to to do, and I read them very slowly. So anyway, yay reading. Books forever. Huzzah. That's what I'm cheering. Alex, what do you got? Quick, Luke, let's interrupt him a million times while he does this. <laughs> oh, I can do that. No problem. <laughs> My cheer is the warm weather that's coming up. Oh, it's so quick. Interrupt that. Woo. <laughs> so for context, the last week and a half was like minus 35 to minus 40 degrees Celsius. <sighs> wind chill here. Mm-hmm. Shit's cold. For lack of a better term, this place sucks ass. But we're coming up to nice above zero degree temperature this week. So yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. cheer. Hey, Billy, I wanted to interrupt him, but he came in too hot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. (laughs) 
we have fun here at Nothing to Fear, folks. But that is going to bring us to the end of another episode. We're happy Valentine's Day to everybody. And thank you so much for listening. Everybody who downloads the show, we love you so much. And especially we love the Patreons who are are a lot of wonderful people. And as of the time of recording, we officially have 10 patrons. So that's something to cheer as well. But Double digits. Double digits. Thank you so much for that. And if you haven't sort of written a review of the show or given us a rating, it really does help us move up in the charts. It helps more people find the show and experience the show. And we put a lot of work into this show, and we'd love more people to hear it and and listen to it. So relative amounts of work to the show <laughs> for me billy puts a lot more work into it but for me i i just it's I'm happy to be love. here yeah we're, we're glad to have you here but so yeah so leave us a review a rating on itunes on spotify wherever you get your podcasts if you would like to join the patreon you can do that at patreon.com slash nothing to fear and there is at, at the time of recording there's one piece of bonus content where i uploaded my psychology 200 final to patreon Ooh. because i got an a plus on it i got a hundred percent on that assignment and i am so proud of myself so that, that's for just for patrons if you would like to follow the show you can do that on instagram at nothing to fear podcast you can follow us on twitter at ntf pod you can follow me on instagram i'm at billy by design i before e when spelling billy and there's underscores between the words also i keep forgetting to add that you can email the podcast at nothing to fear podcast at gmail.com but nobody ever emails us so that's all right you could be the first you could be the first listener out there you could be the first could be you (laughs) actually we've had some emails but you could be you could be the second you could be the most recent (laughs) you can you can email in and guess what the unspecified stain is oh gross (laughs) yeah but do that and don't we'll call the segment i hope it's semen here's what we'll call the segment you're in luck good i really hope that i get a bunch of emails when this comes out that i've forgotten we've recorded this bit and it's just a bunch of emails that say blood semen vomit and i'm like what is what is going on if you want to confuse one of the hosts of nothing to fear now you know how to do it now you know yeah but otherwise you can support us like i said patreon you can go to tpublic.com slash nothing to fear and get a t-shirt with our lovely logo on it thank you to katie for designing that and the daytime is safety shirt no truer than any other film <laughs> for lights out diana's not in that shirt Diana's not in that shirt but she could be daytime is safety is also available as a t-shirt she, and, she is she's just yeah. invisible oh right because it's daytime oh yeah yeah, she's in there she's in there ah creepy luke this is what we're doing yeah Mm. luke what do you got what do you got coming up what well hopefully soon david and i maybe by the time this is out david and i will have at least recorded some of the parts of the novel the brothers karamazov for uh, really true fiction the dostoevsky epic but uh, i'm patient with that so yes, you can listen to other episodes of Really True Fiction or The Liberal Soul, the two other podcasts I do on the podcasting apps. There's also Facebook groups for both of them. And if you're in the Nelson area or like to stream things at three o'clock Pacific on Tuesdays, you can listen to Full Spectrum Cinema, where me and other Alex talk about movies. So, And there is a mixed cloud that you can access of past shows as well in oh, podcast cool. style. We've been recording Send me since the link, June. And I will put it in the show notes. Ah, uh, yes, I will figure that out today. So cool. Yeah. So there's All like right. we've done a we've done about twenty-five or thirty of them. Well, I don't know, twenty to twenty-five of them so far. So if you are interested in more concise takes on movies than any podcast version of me is, then you can listen to those ones. And yeah, listeners, if you are if you have listened to everything in the 
catalog of nothing to fear then we did release a bonus episode from full spectrum cinema on the scream franchise so if you like that you can get more luke and other alex wherever you wherever (laughs) luke just said (laughs) all right this alex current alex alex prime what do you got where can people find you (laughs) if you were to look for me you would have to use uh brett's smashed phone whoa unfortunately just doesn't work so you can't find me so did you think he was gonna say blacklight to me here is that like blacklight no (laughs) i'm not even my semen's not even out there Uh, billy is that like the smashed phone that i smashed of yours that one time (laughs) oh that was fun i remember that (laughs) well fun is one way to put how i felt that day more deeply you you shouldn't feel too bad about it yeah that was ages ago we were smashing a guitar. And you know and... what? You're the one that only you're the one that brings it up. I've never yeah, mentioned I know, it I know. <laughs> It's your cross to bear. We were smashing a guitar and it ended up smashing a phone. It was a, it was a good video. That's true. Thank you for recording yeah, it no and problem. then smashing my phone. But, okay. <laughs> That's because Luke knew that that phone had recorded the best thing that it was ever going to record, and yeah. so had to be destroyed. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Alrighty, well, keeping with the theme of the hosts giving presents to the other two hosts, it's my pick for next week's movie, and Ooh. it's gonna be a surprise, but I will give you a hint. I've never heard out. of a surprise. Who's in it's, it? Well, that's also a surprise, <laughs> but I'll give you this hint, this this mm. little teaser to, to send you off. It is 88 minutes long, so... Oh, uh, yeah. <gasps> <laughs> Is it? You know what? I for my week, I'm gonna choose like a three and a half hour movie just to balance things out. <laughs> no. So yeah, tune in next week for a surprise episode again. And until that time, remember, folks, they're just movies. There's nothing to fear. He was the Mandarin in Iron Man three. Well, no, he was Killian. He was Killian Murphy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, he was he Aldrich Killian. <laughs> Killian Murphy, someone else. <laughs> He was the main villain in Iron Man 3, and he's in Memento, and he was in L.A. Confidential, and Count of Monte Cristo, and... uh, He was going to be Aragorn, but he wouldn't read the book. Oh, that guy, okay. And so they were like, no, we're going to give it to Viggo Mortensen. 